Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you! fuck Jackie Orlando's here from coldsonic.com. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> Hello there, Tom. You okay? Clive Fox, the new name for you. Yeah, it's uh, Clive Fox in the sexual congress. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening week to week, <laughs> I'd like to think that you're building up the the the, ter- the cultaholic wrestling territory system. Yeah. Which features uh, Paul Bromwell and the Bromwell boys. Yeah. Uh, Clive Fox and sexual congress. Uh, first class male, uh, the, the bulletproof postman. Yeah, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. The rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Uh, Barry Goose. Yeah, uh, Blitz Spirit Aiden Gibbons. Blitz Spirit Aiden Gibbons. Uh, what, oh, what was Fraser's name? Oh, it's uh, Riley. Matt Riley. Matt Riley. <laughs> <laughs> jumping Matt Riley. It might yep. not be jumping Matt Riley. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like it when things don't go his way. So somewhere in the multiverse, we have actually built a, uh, a wrestling league yeah. of, all these, of all these colourful characters. And the one we just came up with this afternoon... Uh, the, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the Jolly Bull Aiden Gibbons and Jackson Tradition, nothing but profits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's just, you know, I think we've got too many tag teams in our territory. It's, 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 a, it's, it's quite a, stable. It's like AEW. It's quite stable, heavy. Thriving, yeah. Thriving. But, um, <laughs> I, was, I was working from home when the sexual congress came up. You were at home. And uh, I told Sean, she went, oh, that's a good name for a funk band, that. Oh. And I went, oh, I said, I can imagine the cover now, me holding a ruler, and the album's just called, like, uh, A Good Length. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Clive fucking the Sexual Congress. And in small letters, penis joke. Penis. <laughs> now, uh, I think we should let them in on the, on, the, on the secret of the timeline 
I think we should let uh, our friend listening on the secret. Okay, we'll let you in on the secret. Okay, so uh, we have we have messed with the space time continuum uh, because we've got uh, WrestleMania season coming up. We're very aware it's going to get really busy, so we are trying to bank as many episodes of this as we can, uh, recording them as and when we can. So we've got the King of the Ring watch along next week where Jackie Orlando and I are going to watch the King of the Ring and offer an alternative commentary, the most very alternative of commentaries. Now, we've already recorded that. (laughs) We recorded that before we recorded this, which is the go-home show for King of the Ring 1996. Yes. So you're going to hear us talking about us not recording this yet. Yeah. And you're also going to hear me telling Jackie Orlando what I've got planned for my birthday. It was my birthday the other day. And I tell Jackie Orlando what's happening for my birthday. And you wish me a happy birthday. All the while, that Tom that you listen to, like, you're going to listen to next week, doesn't know there was a surprise party planned for him. He doesn't, future Tom won't know that. Your, your good future, future lady wife. All of them. Yeah. The good lady, yes, uh, my future wife, uh, apparently put out the, uh, the the bat signal to the cultaholic office and said, yeah. who's around on the 31st? Yeah. Come and surprise old dickhead. <laughs> oh, old dickhead. Which I imagine was the wording that she used. Exact, yeah. So, uh, so I went out for the lovely meal that we will talk about next week and then uh, went into an arcade and there was the cultaholic lads, including Jackie Orlando. On a night out, and like, hey, mm. we had a lovely, we had a lovely night, didn't we? We played some SmackDown and had the world's greatest match. It was oh. uh, Nikolai Volkov versus Eric Bischoff, <laughs> <laughs> and you <laughs> battered me. You think you're special? <laughs> you do. Uh, as Bischoff, I was just like, I'm just going to kick him in the throat, and yeah. you know, as Volkov, an actual wrestler, he just battered me. So, just did. Yeah. You, you did kick me in the throat quite a few times as well. It was the, great. in real life. It was great. Um, and they said, big shout to NQ64 in Newcastle, which is the video game themed cocktail bar and pub type affair yeah where full arcade you buy credits and you buy tokens and you can go on like dance dance revolution and time crisis and point blank and was terminated downstairs wasn't there yeah that um ashton posted a video she went downstairs to the toilet and i'd already ran off while everyone was like mingling and i was on my own in the basement playing the terminator 2 like an arcade <laughs> machine so just ashton filming this empty room with just me in the background just going oh god <laughs> So. It's a lovely video. <laughs> it's my favourite. So thank you for that. That was a lovely way to ring in my 39th year around the That's sun. Right. Enjoyed yeah. that immensely. Korean arcade, fantastic. Korean arcade. I don't know what more. Alex Blessing, she's like, she says, you set the bar really high with birthdays because when it's Alex's birthday, like I fill the bedroom with balloons. I get up in the middle of the night, blow up 400 balloons, fill the bedroom with them, organise little video messages from her friends and stuff like that. I just go the whole hog. And then like, there'll be like a, we'll go for dinner somewhere and then like three of her long lost mates will turn up. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'll just be a dick and just try and make her cry. So she's like, you set the bar really high. And also I can't get up and do anything to surprise you because you're fucking up at half four in the morning go for a run. <laughs> It was very funny, but yeah. it was now. But I was I was very happily surprised, and I got to have a beer for the first time in a month, which is nice. Yeah, I did a did a broke break my uh, my dry January. I, don't, I think I might just keep going. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Yeah, because I woke up with a bit of a headache. I don't know whether the drinks were too sugary. Big shout, NQ sixty four. You didn't really have any, did you? No, you just came along for the crack. 
Yeah, I, I, like, I, I like that about you. I had a bottle of water because everyone's like, "Oh, do you want do you want an alcohol-free cocktail?" And I was like, "Well, it's just seven different types of really sugary juice for six pound." I'm like, "I'm okay with this 50p bottle of water. <laughs> I'm, I'm well hydrated. I've been pissing like a horse recently. I'm fine." <laughs> Alex really likes you because he's like he knows his own he knows his mind. Like he's like he's not one to to kowtow to the crowd in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It's like I'm doing this, well, you, and you just deal with it. You missed it this morning, me against the entirety of the upstairs office because they were talking about the dog cafe in Newcastle. Oh, dog and scone. Yeah, and I said I don't like the idea of a food establishment with dogs in it. And they were like, Yeah, but the dogs can't get on the table. I was like, Yeah, yeah, but but I was like, But dogs are filthy animals. Like, yeah, but they've been cleaned. It was like, Yeah, I was like, You're not changing my mind on this. If you're at home and you've got a dog and you're like you're having food, that's one thing. But going to an establishment and being like, can I order some food that you've cooked in this place with 15 dogs around? <laughs> I'm just, it's not for me. Would it would it make you feel any better if if I describe it to you? So then you've got the dog and scone, big up the dog and scone. So you've got like the there's like this one room, big room they come in, all the toys are, and they they open the door and they all come in from their little bedroom slash dressing room area. They all come. <laughs> Charging in, doing rails of cocaine. Yeah, do a bit of cocaine. Another, another, another show, guys. Let's give them, a, let's give them a show. Let's make them smile. Let's make the kids smile. <laughs> <laughs> little, little jumpy bastards. And then you've got the kitchen door, which is surrounded by a picket fence. Mm. So the, the the person will go through the picket fence, shut the picket fence behind them, so the dogs will come as far as the picket fence. But then they'll go through the kitchen door, and then there's a hallway, and they turn left, and the kitchen's there. So there's quite a lot of distance. I know that that that's all fine, but it's just it, I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I don't want to dismiss your point outright. Yeah, because because I, I understand that you know it, if it wasn't completely on the board, they would have been shut down by the council in seconds. Oh god, yeah. But it's just one of those for me that I'm just like. Mm, I think it's because recently, because I do love seeing a dog in a pub. That's different. Go yeah. to an old pub and seeing a dog and you're like, hello, mate. Mm. Um, obviously, a lot more places are getting dog friendly, which is great. Fantastic. We went to a small taco bar recently with literally three tables and like a small bar in it. And as we were leaving, someone came in with like two, like a great, not great Danes, but like big, tall dogs. And like, oh, is it all right if we bring the dogs in? And I wanted to say, no, it's not. Go somewhere else. <laughs> More place are dog Fuck friendly. Off. Fine. This is a restaurant. Take your dogs elsewhere, please. <laughs> I'm going to get so many dog people messaging me, but come on. I'm not saying... I, no, I appreciate where you're coming from with it. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the comedy of the fact that the dog and scone is literally next door to Mog on the Tyne, which is a cat cafe. Fantastic. It's asking for trouble, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We often look at the cat cafe and think it looks cute in there, but we know that Pablo would be upset with us. Yeah. Oh, God, like, no. be cheating on him. He wouldn't have it. Come home, and you'd just be there in a dark room. you switch on the lamp, and you're like, time to go holistic, <laughs> You go, let me sniff your ass. Pablo said, let me sniff your ass! Let me get right in there. <laughs> That's an American white short hair. <laughs> What's the name of this slot? Yeah. You're just like, Pablo, it's not what you think. Oh, I don't oh, care! He's just got a little beer in his hand. <laughs> Throws it into a fire. You are not to go there anymore. <laughs> I said so. I've got eyes everywhere, you <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Dog yeah, good cool birthday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great birthday. Yeah. Had a lovely time. Had a lovely time. Uh, we're on our road to King of the Ring 1996, though. Next week, we'll, you'll see the Watchdog in 96. This is the go-home show yeah. ahead of it. Um, so on this particular day in history, uh, June 17th, 1996, number one movie in the box office in the UK is The Rock. 
Still hanging on there. Still hanging on in there. Bit of 90s bollocks. US box office number one, The Cable Guy. Oh, okay. Uh, new Arrivals, a black comedy directed by Ben Stiller, mm. starring Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. Now, this is where Jim Carrey plays a very obsessive cable guy who makes, who seems to make friends with Matthew Broderick and just kind of hangs off him all the time, builds like this parasocial relationship, and it's... Uh, it's, it's great fun. It was released uh, in the US this week and it went straight to number one. But it's sort of considered, like, not, it's, it hasn't been remembered well by history. A lot of people see this as one of Jim Carrey's flops. I, yeah, because I, I always had it in my mind that it was, it didn't do well. Because I think it's because he came out as the zany, rubber faced Jim Carrey. He established himself as this massive star. And this is quite a, it's quite a sinister film. Yeah. Obviously, you got the like the bits of him singing um, Jefferson Airplane and being very Jim Carrey with it, but the rest of it, it is it's it's quite dark. Which at the time, it's like it's like Macaulay Culkin making what was it The Good Son. <laughs> it's one of those things where it just surprises you and just yeah. catches you off guard. Like when Robin Williams did What Dreams May Come. Oh, really I, sad film that is. You're saying that like he hasn't made loads of. I've ever told you about the time we went to see Jack in the cinema. No. <laughs> right. So. Jack. Did you go, a film about me? Ah. It was my, I think, like eighth or ninth birthday. And the way it was advertised, like, meet Jack. He's a zany child in a man's body. So my mum was like, great. We'll take Jack and his mates to see this in the cinema. No, it's a drama about Pregaria. <laughs> so. It's such a lovely, wacky film. When you look up to the night sky, make a wish and think of me. Like, aged, decrepit Jack. Yeah. You get his qualifications. Honestly, but I remember it just the way they advertised. It was just like, it's Robert Williams. It's going to be a fun time. And it was like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't wasn't a film to take 10 small children to. <laughs> Nobody had a fun time with that. No. The Fugees are having a fun time in the UK music charts. Number one, we're killing me softly still. Yeah. be the case for a while. And Bone Thugs and Harmonies, Crossroads, hanging in there. US Billboard number one. Oh, We've got a couple of months of that. Good. Yeah. How long has that been? A good six six weeks already. About four, yes, nearly six weeks. It'd be a lot longer. Yeah. Got plenty of time with them. Uh, this week in the in the world of music, the Sex Pistols reform. Oh, okay. They go on a seventy eight date tour called Filthy Lucre. Uh, it's to be the first time they performed together since their breakup in seventy eight. Mm. They're first with Glenn Matlock since his departure in seventy seven. So it's the original Sex Pistols, baby. Never mind the bollocks. Never mind the bollocks. There comes Glenn Matlock again. Here comes Glenn Matlock back again with the Obiavia. Uh, on the same day, <laughs> imagine them coming out with that. Backwards again. With the... <laughs> I don't know whether the two events are connected, but on the same day that the Sex Pistols reformed, uh, the Chuckle Brothers uh, debuted their game show for kids to me to you. What a great game show! Set on a desert island, doesn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. It focused on two pairs of young children competing for prizes, taking part in mini games uh, in which they had to work together. Yeah, I remember watching you, that. Yeah, fun. I loved the Chuckle Brothers as a kid. You couldn't help but love them. And then looking back at it, you're like, wow, we just watched these just old, tired men. <laughs> who were obviously who obviously couldn't hold a job down. Yeah. Because every week they were doing a different, they had a different gig and everyone was just getting annoyed with them. And it wasn't until years later, you know the fellow who always hired them down the van and, you know, no slacking. Yeah. That's their chuckle brothers as well. All four of them are brothers. Is that a chuckle as well? Yeah. They're all brothers. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. So could he not replace the one that died? He might be older. Oh, I think... I think Unless he's gone, I don't want to... I'm, I'm a straight actor. He, 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 I think... Mm, I looked into this the other year, and Dan the Van, no slack and whatever you want to call him. People not from Britain would be like, what are you chatting? Chuckle th- Brothers were... What was it? They were like... What was an American version of the Chuckle Brothers? 
Is there one? It's like two Mr. Magoos, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, that's not a bad shout. If there was the mist, if there was if there was two Mr. Magoos, it's very great slapper. way to describe or, it. Or like um, a, a less <laughs> genre-defining Dick Van Dyke. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, Chuckle Brothers and Dick Van Dyke. That's given high praise to the Chuckle Brothers, but still uh, high praise to Dick Van Dyke. But um, <laughs> Dan Nirvana or whoever, when he was like seventy-eight, if he married like a twenty-two-year-old, and everyone went, "Oh, that's a bit." Oh no, they really are like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, Mary Poppins. Oh. How you doing, Mary Oh, come on. All of our hearts I love Dick Van Dyke. sang when he started dancing in Mary Poppins Returns. I love Dick Van Dyke. And let's not forget Barry Van Dyke. The mm. diagnosis, Tom, was murder. <laughs> <laughs> this room does things to me. It does, doesn't it? Is it something coming out of the vents, maybe? Um... Yeah, I, the laughing I, gas in the vents. That's, that's where I store my out of date pork pies. <laughs> that's funny what it is, then, isn't it? <laughs> what, what also Jackie doesn't know is when we're recording here, for those who obviously are aware of the cultaholic lore, this is where this is the desk where not only Math and I do the SmackDown review, but also where we record our news videos. So I send as many of these as possible to Adam and go, Hear me out, Jackie's on the news. <laughs> Hear me out. Working on it. That'd be terrifying. I want you on the news. I'm desperate to get you on the news video. Yeah, but... Hear me out. Every news video would be 45 minutes. It'd be <laughs> demonetised in 25 <laughs> seconds. Me going, Vince McMahon's been a cunt again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. When we're ready to sink the ship, we'll, we'll do it of our own volition. Okay. We'll just, we'll, we'll just do 25-minute news videos <laughs> where we talk about everything but the news. <laughs> just in another office, it's just Pachiti sweating, just shredding <laughs> documents. <laughs> They're coming. Burn it. Burn it. Burn me shirt. Burn it. He's in a bunker just like hiding inside the cupboard, shredding documents. See, that's that's to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, so that's the real world. Chuckle Brothers. Um, wrestling world. It's been busy lately. Not as busy this time. Not as busy still this time. enough stuff. There's still loads of stuff going on because obviously in previous weeks we had, oh, well, Scott Hall's turned up. Oh, shit. Kevin Nash has turned up. Oh, fuck. Brian Pillman signed with the WWF. Clive Fox turned up. Clive, Clive Fox, he's selling condoms from the back of a van. <laughs> he loves doing that. Ron Simmons is coming. <laughs> I just burped. There he is. <laughs> oh, no, she, no, she burped a goddamn. I had, oh, I had cheese and onion crisps before and it was a terrible, terrible, what, terrible what idea. What brand? Um, I can't remember. It's the ones we got upstairs. What are they called? It's a the white packet s- ones. S- yeah, Seabrook. Uh, C- Seabrook. Seabrook. They're nice. Actually, Seabrook. isn't that a town in Belgium? Seabrook. Seabrook. <laughs> so <laughs> fuck that is off this room. <laughs> that, no, Seabrook is what do you find in Germany next to the water? <laughs> Goes up as this small bridge. Come back, Jackins. <laughs> Come back. Um. <laughs> Wrestling Observer News. Like 427 listeners in Germany. Dated. June 24th, 1996. Uh, well, I, I, we started with all this, and it, 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 the newsletter starts on the somber tone because uh, Dick Murdoch died on June 15th. Oh, they meant, yeah, we get a little nod to this in the show this week as well. Yeah, the, the, most of this um, edition of the newsletter was just. Obviously, Dave Meltzer going in great detail about Dick Murdoch's career. Last time we saw him was Royal Rumble 95. 95. He turns up in a star-studded affair. Yeah. That is the Royal Rumble 1995. Which, to many people, when you say Royal Rumble 95, they just go, is that the one with Dick Murdoch in it? <laughs> and everyone just goes, yeah. 
It's like the shortest rumble in history, isn't it? They like, I think, because Vince knew that the company was anything but star powered at this point. So I was like, just get the rumble done before anyone notices. <laughs> get it done quick. Okay. 30, I think it was every thirty seconds. Yeah. So they're like, just get it, get them, get them out, get it done. Yeah, yeah just do it. Before anybody notices. <coughs> yes, that was the last time we saw him in our canon. Yeah. But obviously, you know, a, a legend of wrestling, Dick Murdoch. Yeah. Obviously, there's um, some elements of his personal life which are a bit spicy but that's mm. the same for many wrestlers but uh very successful tag team north south co- connection with mine's just gone blank roddy piper's all tag team partner greg valentine adrian adonis adrian adonis, adrian adonis and dick murdoch they were wwf tag champions there you go right so elsewhere wcw WCW ran the Great American Bash. More to come on the classic Nitro review soon. certainly is. But luckily for you, Dave Meltzer was raving about how good of a show it was. Yeah. So he's just going on saying, this was a really good show. This was the week that was the best of the Super Juniors in New Japan. And he's saying, we're mentioning WCW in the same breath as New Japan in 96. Um, The main, I'll leave most of it for you and Sam when you come to it. The main takeaway, as far as we're concerned here on Raw Island, is during the show, Eric Bischoff interviews Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and says, oh, you'll be wrestling at Bash of the Beach on July 7th. We'll have three men to take you you two on and a third man. Who's that going to be? Like, doesn't matter. Bischoff point black asks the two if they were working for the WWF and they both go, no, no, let the past be the past. And then they batter Eric Bischoff and powerbomb him off the stage through some tables and it gets a monster reaction. Yeah, it's, it's groundbreaking. Literally, <laughs> literally yeah. quite literally groundbreaking. I think that line there, where they go, "Oh no, we don't work for them." Obviously, it's in it's in reaction to WWF threatening to sue. Oh yeah, and uh, they've just gone. Do you know what? Let's just let's with as much fun as we're having, pretending they're from that company up north. Let's just nip this in the bud now. And but it didn't hurt on. the momentum of it at all. No, because he said it and then did an incredibly aggressive angle to a, a character who otherwise doesn't get physically involved. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how you make people forget that dead quick. I've heard Bischoff talk about this on his podcast, and the someone asked him, he's like, "Oh, did you prepare beforehand?" He said, "No." He said, "If I would have taken it beforehand, he's like, I wouldn't have done it again." <laughs> so we just did it on the night. He was like, "Doesn't matter. Just power bomb me. Tell me how to land. Just power bomb me." Yeah. Because he, Jeez. yeah terrifying yeah so, I, I, I think i've maybe taken in my in my time doing anything wrestling related i think i've taken one bump and even, even then it was just like a fucking code breaker and yeah. i was still terrified of yeah. taking it it's, it's not a jackknife by kevin i will drop you on your neck nash not in the slightest <laughs> Off a stage through a table Christ. you just yeah i think that's the right way of going just don't just i'll just do it just do it don't yeah. think about it <laughs> So as you were saying there, yeah, Titan made several legal threats regarding the whole Nash stuff, which is why they had to admit that they didn't work for the WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hall had contacted Henry Holmes, who is Hulk Hogan's attorney, to try and say that most of the mannerisms he used as R- Ramon, he first used as the Diamond Stud, which we went over recently, mm-hmm. uh, and that it was he and not WWF who came up with the name Razor Ramon, and he still wants to get money that's owed to him. So Yeah, that's it. So yeah. still, there's, there's still a little bit, of, uh, little bit of business still going on there. Yeah, uh, a, a tidbit as well. This episode of Raw that we're about to discuss was battered by Nitro in the ratings. And mm. in fact, it's week one of 83. <sighs> Off to the races we go. We're here. We're here. The war is underway. Yeah, we're here. So this Raw is the first Raw that loses to Nitro in its, in the next, for the next 82 weeks. Until 83 ni- weeks. Until, what, 1998. Wow. Here we go. Yeah. 
Elsewhere in WCW, Mikey Whiprack is allegedly looking for a WCW job. The first ever Triple Crown champion in ECW history, which is still a mad fact. One of the one of the great like mid card guys who went on to just become like everything in in ECW and yeah. kind of fall upwards. Like the whole idea that Paul Heyman talked about like the the formula for Mikey Whipwreck, where it's just like you're just for a year, like Hunter Hussam, you're gonna you're gonna lose for a year. Yeah. Um. But like you're not even gonna get any offense in. You're just gonna go and get battered. And then, like, and, and the moment that you kind of rise up in any way, people are going to love it. And it worked. Yeah, it absolutely worked. Heyman's a genius. He's he's got a win over Stone Cold to the well, not Stone Cold, but he's got a win over Steve Austin. Yeah, he's beat Steve Austin with the title on the line. Yeah, he's been ECW World Champion. His music was Loser by Beck, just a proper <laughs> hammer home. How much of a loser the character was, but he. I know he turns up in WCW, I think, 1999. Mm, yeah, we get a little run in, in WCW with Mikey. Mm. I think the only business Mikey does for WWE, I think, is an ECW one-night stand. I'm pretty sure he turns up. He does, yeah. With he's, he's with Tajiri and sends to Minister. Mm. Starts dishing out whippersnappers. That's a while there. Uh, also, WCW want to sign Rey Mysterio Jr., and Conan has signed a one-year deal. Ah, here we go. So this is a big, a big, big leap for Rey Mysterio to be on the books. Conan coming in as well, kind of like the, the conduit for luchador wrestlers. Yeah. If they get on Conan's good side, he's a great connection to have for bringing the Lucha Libre across. Well, yeah, it was through Conan, which is why uh, Mysterio, Juventud, and Seacoast has ended up in ECW. Because Paul Heyman just went, hey, Conan, you like getting people with chairs? Do you want to come to Philadelphia? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, you bloody love it here. We're always twatting people with chairs. I'll bring my mates. They're really good. And he was like, yeah, bring them up. <laughs> So someone else who is expected to join WCW is Jeff Jarrett. His deal is up July 10th, and as expected, he'll start with WCW straight away. So that's his WWF deal is up July 10th. So I, and I'm trying to think whether we see him again on WWF TV. I don't think we do. No. I think that's him done. Because it was weird, because he, he disappeared, and then he came back when Ahmed first turned up, and he hit Ahmed with a disc and had, like, two matches and then buggered off again. He's never quite clicked with no despite the fact that Jerry Jarrett his dad was in line to run the company if Vince went to jail oh yeah despite that yeah. <laughs> like Jeff's never really got on with Vince no. and that, which is which is always a bit strange because he's not the worst I mean I, I think maybe 99 sort of the, the is the best we get from Jeff yeah and now obviously there's a working there was a working relationship there where he popped up every so often but yeah he's AEW boy now so so in WWF news there was a recent Chicago house show and there was a Vader versus Ultimate Warrior match on it. And as Dave's put, the story went like this. They had done 20 second squashes all weekend, somewhat because Vader had a bad hip, but more because Warrior's shoulder is messed up. Fucking hell. State of this roster. So he's put, I guess because the crowd was so big or because Jim Hellwood was unappreciative or because all the pins are getting so much press in Japan or whatever, Vader took his clotheslines and then walked out. As he got to the back, WWF officials basically told him if he didn't walk back into the ring, he might as well walk all the way back to Colorado and not come back. So he got back in the ring, did the match, but ended up walking out again for the countout rather than the pin. Right now, there are no plans to push Vader until the fall, and they want him to drop weight first. But they did allow him to do a double countout in Denver since it's his hometown and lots of football players that he'd coached were in attendance. But all the other shows, he's doing jobs, so he's in there. Dog house. Oh, how legit do we think that is of the the roster, the the management coming out and going get back in there? That is that is that a worky work? I don't know. I don't know because the story's always heard. Because Vader's such a heel, you could buy that as a storyline. Oh no! Apparently, this was in the back. Oh, I see. As I thought they the came back. out and like. No, no. As as he got to the back, 
Apparently, I don't know if he was just going to go for a count out loss because stories I've heard of Vader is you know he he could absolutely slug you in the ring. He was a big intimidating man, but not that he was a teddy bear because he'd have backstage fights and stuff. But he was one of those that you know if if you if you were in the right mood, you could basically dress him down a bit, and he'd just be like kind of like oh, okay, yeah. yeah, all right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> So they want him to drop weight with Yokozuna and not eat chicken. <laughs> Let's see how that works out for you. We do, we do get Vader, Vader's um, scheduled to be part of King of the Ring next week. Yep. So what, I wonder what happens. Well, I wonder, 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 I we, wonder what will happen. We haven't watched it yet. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. Elsewhere, <laughs> WWF have hired Kevin Kelly as an announcer. Ah, uh, my mate Kevin Kelly! So the Dave's part, he'll probably start as an interview guy, but is being groomed to take over superstars in a year when Vince McMahon steps down. He said that like, there were ambitions for him to do commentary. Yeah. He was on Desert Island Raps a couple of years ago. Do seek that out. Me and Kev having a big chat. Yeah. Love that. Got a big buzz off that because like, I remember watching him as a growing yeah. up, you know. Getting harassed by The Rock Getting for picking her- his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember like, because um, there, was, there was, I think Kevin Kelly was the real name of Nails. Yes, it was, yeah. So like when Kevin Kelly was brought in, they ribbed him about, there was a meeting where they ribbed him and talked about Kevin Kelly. He said, oh, we've had the wrong Kevin Kelly. We wanted nails. Hear the story on the Desert Island Graps. Kev talks about it. Good lad. Talking of people who aren't nails, that one didn't work. (laughs) We've mentioned over the last few weeks that they're bringing in a couple of indie talents to become jobbers. Mm. So this is going to build them up a few wins and then have them eat a loss to Shawn Michaels rather than feeding him, you know, like the way they'd feed him the one, two, three kid and be like, ah, bollocks. Now we're in a quandary because now the one, two, three kid's a loser. So one of the names we mentioned was Dirty White Boy, who will be known as plumber TJ Hopper. Wow! The plumber's coming! Yeah. Look busy. Imagine being given that gimmick. Okay, Dirty White Boy, you're going to be TJ, aka TL Hopper. Oh, what's the gimmick? Uh, you fix toilets and you stink as shit. Oh. Do we get paid? Uh, yeah. We get uh, no, uh, you know, spoilers for what is to come. Like the the main, the the most memorable part of TL Hopper's run in the WWF was uh, the SummerSlam pre-show where everyone thought he took a shit in a pool. <laughs> Caddy Shack star and TL Hopper. Dirty Jesus. white boy, baby. Caddy Shack Hopper. So we'd uh, mentioned earlier that this week it was the best of the Super Juniors tournament in New Japan, and it was won by Black Tiger, a.k.a. Eddie Guerrero. Hey. He beat Jushin Liger in the final. And then one last little tidbit. Uh, USWA ran their last ever weekly show in the Memphis Coliseum, a tradition that had dated back to 1971. It wasn't always called the USWA, but basically the Jarrett's had run the venue almost weekly for 25 years, but attendances have been so shite. That is it just, just like a lack of star power? It's a lack of star power and Dave's put and the fact that um, they usually because there's now so much good free wrestling on TV and because WCW and WWF are going head to head and putting good matches on TV people are just like oh, why bother going to Memphis to watch Brian Christopher versus Jerry Lawler when I can watch Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart on TV for free. Uh, so it is a knock-on effect on the Monday Night Wars, but that's that's everything I've got this week. Ah, uh, well, uh, an interesting little, uh, interesting little smattering of the wrestling news yeah. for this week. Uh, let's talk about Monday Night Raw from this week. Expect the unexpected, Jack Atkins. In case you didn't know, they're trying a new catchphrase out for Raw this week. Okay. You may hear Vince say it about 97 times. To the point where I expect him to say, expect the unexpected. 
which I think goes against the yeah. uh, the idea. It's a paradoxical quote, isn't it? It's a paradoxical quote. That is one of them. Yeah. Uh, the show this week has the WWF logo to start, but Steve Austin's old theme over the top of it. Yeah. That doom. I had to start again because I thought, oh God, the, the video's frozen and the audio's playing, but no, this, no. this was how it was. Uh, Steve Austin on his way to the ring to get us started. Uh, we're getting Savio Vega versus Steve Austin in the quarterfinals of the King of the Ring to get us going. Big close-up on Austin's face. He's he's become Stone Cold Steve Austin. He has. Like, he really in has. In every sense. We haven't had that promo yet, but he's pretty much become Steve Austin here. And he looks great. Intense yeah. as fuck. Yeah. Just such a different sort of character persona it like it energy on yeah. raw compared to like all the like wildly over the top bad guys and the happy clappy good guys and then there's steve austin black trunks black tights you know and also black trunks black boots walks to the ring looks like he's gonna batter a man yeah really does got a skinhead and just like a, a stone cold look on his face mm. Savio Vega gets into the ring and he's immediately jumped by Steve Austin. Even his offense feels like Steve Austin offense now. It's just slugging punches and kicks and smacks. He stomps a mud hole in him uh, in the corner as well. Does he walk it dry? He kind of walks it dry. (laughs) Kind of. Vega shuts down Austin with an enziguri after a hot flurry to start the match, but Austin takes control again pretty soon after with a chop block. Vega unleashes this ruthless aggression. He works over the leg of Steve Austin, wraps it around the ring post several times. Vega almost like healing it up yeah. to match the energy of Steve Austin here. Like he really goes to town on his leg and knee here. This is a blood feud. Yeah, that, I was fine with it because of that, yeah. Uh, while this is happening, Vince is running down the rest of the night's highlights, which include... Uh, not picture in picture, but they squash the, the match and they have a graphic appear in the corner or on the side, the left hand side, sorry, the right hand side of the screen. It was very slapdash this episode of Raw. Very increasingly slapdash. <laughs> and uh, it featured gold. So gold dust in action later against Jake Roberts. The bulldog is here. Ooh, and oh. the pose of the bulldog doing his thing. We quite like the bulldog, don't we? Oh, I don't know whether we've mentioned. But he's our boy. Um, <laughs> we'll also get the reveal of Jim Cornette's special secret referee. So Cornette, as a way of, like, a, if you remember from last week, the, uh, the it was the Gorilla Monsoon lawsuit was settled out of court. Yeah. As long as, the, with the caveat being that Jim Cornette can pick the ref for the title match in the main event. So that's to come. Uh, Vince, after running down the highlights, gets back to the match. Austin avoids... Oh, he also reminds us to expect the unexpected. Uh, just to, just be expecting that unexpectedness. That's twice. Uh, Austin avoids a standing splash, which gives Austin a brief opening until a clumsy spot where Austin headbutts the back of Vega's head. Mm. This is very much deliberately that way. Oh, it's yeah. like Austin, Austin almost like you know, carried on his own momentum. Almost drives himself into the ground there. He, he was giving Vega a lot. Like when Vega was working over his knee, he was selling it really well. You can tell that he like, I don't know if it's a case of he likes Vega or he just realizes that this feud is doing well for his career. So go for it. Uh, after a commercial break, Austin misses a, a neck hanging spot on the bottom. So like he has, um, he has his Savio's head on the bottom rope and he's going to like yeah. run at him and try and take his head. I thought it was called... There was a name for that. Yeah. I just call it a neck hang here. Uh, More damage to his knee again. Finish comes out of nowhere. Vega tries to grab Austin from behind. Austin hooks his head and then puts his arm around the head and then drops onto his bottom. 
Vega grabs his jaw in pain as Austin gets a three. And did you hear what Vince called it? He called it what a maneuver. <laughs> that he did. It got the win. And now we've seen this on Raw before. Yes. We saw this move once on Raw before. I, but it was a, as a counter to a headlock. And it was a, a sort of a mid-match move. I believe between that Raw and this one, uh, Austin has been in the ring with Michael Hayes. Yeah. And they've kind of deciphering a finisher because the Million Dollar Dream just ain't cutting it anymore. So they reference, hey, this headlock thing that you did to get out of that. Do like a, do like a cutter, but drop onto your bum. Do it like that. Austin gave it a try and he was like, yeah, that, that works. That's quite, that's quite cool. It's quite good, that. That's according to Michael Hayes. But hmm. a man we've already mentioned today, Mikey Whiprack. What was his finisher? The whippersnapper. I think that Austin's taken it from Mikey. I wasn't sure whether which came first. I think it was Mikey first. Well, the, the first was, well, even though it's slightly different, it was Johnny Ace, wasn't it, with the Ace Crusher? Yeah, so that was where like, it all began. Yeah. And we've seen cutters on Raw and stuff before. But I think the whippersnapper, he usually did it off the second rope, didn't he? Mikey's version? Possibly, yeah. I just, I, the whippersnapper always looks more like a stunner than this did. Yeah. This, like, this is not like the stunner that we know where, in the one which um, we talk about next week. <laughs> Make a note to talk about this next week. Okay. How you hate, how you hate a modern, how a modern stunner looks. Make a note of that. I have a big rant about how people take stunners next week. Hate, we'll pick that up there. Uh, hate modern stunners. Modern. So maybe whipwreck. Um, certainly one that we will look into as the weeks go on. But what do we think of our opening match? I really like this. Mm. I really like this. It was... They wrestled like they hated each other. Yes. Which they've been feuding for a while. Um, really good intensity. Like you were saying, Steve Austin is wrestling more like Stone Cold. Because we've seen him do like stomach breakers and stuff, which look awkward. Not because he's done them awkward, just because we don't expect that from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. Um but it, it was good intensity, not only for a raw opener, but it put over the king of the ring for me. It's like these are beating the tits off each other. <laughs> not just because they don't like it, but because they also really want the king of the ring. They want to be king of the ring. Yeah. Everyone wants to be king of the ring. So job done for me. Amazing. Right, WCW crowned their lord of the ring uh, a month before this. DDP, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, your fight will suit you. Oh, actually, no. You might know by now on the Nitro Review. It was Frodo Baggins. <laughs> Don't wear the <laughs> We get a recap of Mankind's actions towards The Undertaker. Undertaker has promised at King of the Ring to plunge Mankind into darkness. These two are going to have a banger. Spoiler. I noticed as well that Taker was wearing his cowboy hat in this promo as well, mm. which he'll come to wear towards the end of 96. More prominently. We're getting a little... Actually, I think by the end of 96, I think we get a brand new look Undertaker. Yeah. I'm just trying I, to think of him taking on I someone who's not come yet. I think we get a bit more leather clad. Yeah. But doesn't he have like the cowboy hat as well? I'm thinking Maybe. about a certain man he fights for a certain title. Oh. Me giving a shit about spoilers all of a sudden. Yeah, it's fine. It's Maybe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he does. Maybe he alternates. Yeah. I seem to remember he gets a bit leather clad by the end of the year. Oh, with the Batman cape? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's that as well. So That's he's, either, to come. he's either a cowboy or Batman. So basically, <laughs> he's a five year old boy. He's a cowboy. <laughs> Selling a little? 
or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Sega Saturn Slam of the Week is Jake Roberts DDTing future WWE champion Justin Hawk Bradshaw mm. en route to the King of the Ring quarterfinals. Jake's tournament has been called a fairy tale. And a fairy tale that uh, hopefully will have a happy ending. Hey. Not a sexy one. Uh, but so we're, so we're, we're monitoring Jake. In the, Jake's very much the, fav, the fan favorite in the King of the Ring tournament. Yeah. It defies what the purpose of the King of the Ring is, which is to, to find a new star. Jake is like a, an old star having one last try. Yeah. Giving it one old college try from the ground up. So it's a nice story they're telling it's with Jake. It's a good story, yeah. I, d- I think everyone kind of, in, in amongst what happens and that promo, I think the story of Jake's King of the Ring is forgotten. And I really like it in hindsight. I'm never one for loading like King of the Ring tournaments with ex-champions. I think that's the wrong thing to do. But I think this story has been really well told as a yeah. guy who is like, I had demons. I've had an awful time. I've been to fucking hell and back. And this is my last chance to win anything. So I'm just going to give it a go. Yeah. And all these youngsters are going to fucking give me a beating. I'm like, yeah, I like it. I like this. And and just the the, the ending of the fairy tale is just... So dark and so sublime. <laughs> so sublime. Uh, we get a brief video remembering Dick Murdoch. We reflected on Dick at the start of this show. Uh, we saw him last time out, as I said, here at the 1995 Royal Rumble. So uh, we, best wishes to Dick Murdoch. Nice, nice, just short video. Yeah. A couple of clips from him in MSG. Sign off on uh, all the best on Dick Murdoch. Uh, Mark Merrow in action next. He's facing Owen Hart. Now, this is interesting. Steve Austin hasn't left the ringside area yet. No. They've given the good hand in the mid card, not just a microphone, a bloody headset on commentary. And do you know who we heard on commentary for the first time? We heard Stone Cold Steve Austin. We did. Because when we first saw him, he was like, reach out, touch the screen. I'm but, the ringmaster. He... <laughs> not... <laughs> 
Not this time, though. No, he was Put just... Put your little trumpets away. He was just sat there, and he's just like, don't care who wins, I'm going to kick their head in. Yeah. And I was just like, great. He wasn't bombastic. Like you said, there's nothing quite like Austin at this time in... Because we're coming out of the neon-soaked new generation era when everything's over the top. Obviously, we still got, like, T.L. Hopper and stuff to come. Mm. But Austin's just like, I don't care who's in the ring. I don't care if I like you or don't. If you get in my way, I'm going to crack you one. Nice. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with this. I like it a lot. I think this Steve Austin is one to watch. I think he's going to be a thing. Keep an eye on this, boy. <laughs> Owen Hart heads the ring. It's been a tough couple of days for Owen. He faced Barry Horowitz. Uh, on, a, on a live event, beat him, but he refused to let go of the sharpshooter. So post-match, referee Harvey Whippleman reversed the decision and awarded the match to Barry to Barry Horowitz. I can't believe... I know, everyone always goes on about Barry Horowitz getting the win over uh, Chris Candido. Didn't realise he technically has a win over Owen Hart. Yes, he fucking well does. And the this is brilliant. And it only occurred to me after I finished watching the episode where I went, this is long-term booking. Yeah. On the quiet, because Harvey Whippleman has been popping up on Raw for a couple of weeks mm. with a notepad, like writing down like his review of the refing. Mm. He's gone to Gorilla Monsoon, I would assume on an episode of Superstars, something, and gone, all your refs are shit. Let me ref. And we see the first time we see him properly refereeing is he calls out bad bit of officiating and flips the decision. Yeah. Remember that for later. And also remember this, I'm pretty sure when Barry gives up originally he taps oh it's another early tapper it's another early tapper, tapper, so, tapper, tapper. so this narrative that shamrock introduced the tap to wwf is bollocks because both the hart brothers have done it and Har and barry Horowitz. well barry's tapped but the, it's been the hart brothers who've uh, had mm. the holds barry's the tapper and they're the tappies <laughs> uh, owen complains <laughs> in the early stages of this match about mark mera trying to manhandle his cast this is a really slow match to get started because they've got a lot of stuff on a lot of conjecture on commentary and yeah. a lot of storyline to build vincent man is sort of getting austin's opinion on both mark mera and owen hart and like you said oh his overwhelming thought is hey look they're good i don't care though because one of them i'm gonna fucking beat up yeah he does attempt a catchphrase and i'm like don't do that again <laughs> Because <laughs> at one point, yeah, he's asked about um, Mark Mero and like how flashy his offense is. And he says, Mark Mero is built for show. Austin is built for go. I'm like, never do that again, Steve. That's... Steve, stop it. Yeah, that, that's, that's a that's... line you've been fed. That's like a Marty Ginetti line. Mm. Yeah. Don't never, yeah, it's not a nice line. No, do that again, Steve. I, I think opening up uh, a can of whoop ass is definitely a bit better. I think what's nice is that I think they'll try and sort of give Austin lines. Yeah. Um, it's like I genuinely think, like just to throw ahead. I know we, you know, you'll see it next week. I don't think I'm. I don't think we mention it, but like I genuinely believe if, after watching that promo, that King of the Ring promo, that they are keen to get over a, a, a sort of a, a gimmick of Austin's of as uh, that of Stone Cold's list. Yeah, because they mentioned the list a couple of times, and I think they bet they're going. That's where the money is, and I bet they had half-designed Stone Cold List T-shirts, and then went fuck. Can't make them now because here at the bottom line of the list, <laughs> just something to think on here. How many times they talk about Stone Cold's list and how that quietly just drips away? But they do try and get catchphrases for him. And I'm like, stop it, <laughs> stop it, you naughty boy. 
Uh, every time Mark Mera starts the ball rolling, Owen Hart somehow complains about Mera going for his cast and slows it back down to zero. Uh, Austin on commentary is asked about his attitude adjustment lately. Mm. And he says, you get bitter and frustrated when you get held back and back and back and back. I think that's what teaches you a lesson on how to deal with people. And I deal with people how I see fit. Win at all costs. It seems to be working just fine for me, McMahon. Like, yeah, that's good. I was just watching you go then because I saw as, as the words came out, I was like, Tom's getting even more into this. Yeah, yeah. you get better and frustrated. Do you think that was a not so thinly veiled dig at Eric Bischoff? 100%. Yeah, that was, I think that was a dig at a lot of people. I think maybe, maybe mainly Bischoff. Yeah. Mainly Bischoff because of the whole thing of like you had one of the, you have this guy on your books, you let him go. Yeah. One of Bischoff, one of the greatest mistakes Eric Bischoff made was without even realizing it, uh, before the night, before the Monday Night War had even started, before they'd won a single week of Monday Nitro ratings, Bischoff had already fired the bullet that kills him. Ooh. Oh! Ooh. It's good, that, isn't it? I'm fucking good at this job, I am. <laughs> he'd already fired the bullet. And it was called Steve Austin. <laughs> I don't know more, my bullets. This yeah. one's called Steve Austin. This one's called this uh, is... Bobby Vandercheck. <laughs> this one's called Marie Vanderkamp. We've got... Um, That's a Desperate Housewives reference. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, We've watched that lately. Yeah. Yeah, Brie Vanderkamp. Yeah. There she is. She's got a bullet with her name on. Can't decide Fucking where... hell. <laughs> Brie Vanderkamp, Van you've got a bullet with your oh, name. Oh, she deserves it the way that she treated Rex. On his, his, Terry like, Hatcher loading the gun. On his death. Oh, she... Is that when he has a heart attack and she makes the bed? Yeah. We watched that episode last night. Yeah. Spoiler, by the way. It's been out for years. Get fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a heart attack on the bed, and, and she thinks that he has been bragging about their S and M love life. Yeah, but really, it's the creepy pharmacist who, who snuck into their house, took photos of all the handcuffs, and took loads of photos of her underwear because mm. he fancies her, and he's going to end up killing her. He's been sort of doctoring his, ironically, doctoring his medication, so he's going to—he's about to pop it. He oh. just actually, I think he just did in the one we watched last night. Do you say he kills Bree as well? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't kill Brie. He, he, I think they get married or they nearly get married and then, then the fix is up, the jig is up and they find out that what a monster he truly is. More I'm pretty sure he has a really comical ending. I can't quite remember. If I were watching it again. <laughs> oh. uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> look at those two men carrying a plate glass window across the road. It's Better drive like, through it's it. something like that or like a plane crash or something silly. <laughs> But uh, something comical, like a plane like, crash, like a novelty <laughs> plane, like a little biplane or a helicopter or something. Everyone's mainly fine except him. Um, but <laughs> no, this, this. Do you know what the thing is? Right, we're watching Desperate. I know we'll get back to Raw in a second. We're watching Desperate Housewives. I'll be honest, right? Because you kind of start rooting for different people at different times. Because at the end of the day, they're all cunts. Oh, yeah. And I, if a bomb dropped on the whole of Wisteria Lane, it'd be fine. They are all pieces of shit. I don't think there's any... I think the only one that maybe isn't is maybe Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Is Susie. Um, but even then, she has her days. Even then, I, she does my head in a little bit sometimes. I think Lynette, I think, would survive the Megaton bomb. I think she'd punch <laughs> it out of existence. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think maybe Lynette would be <laughs> the safest. It's, it's one of the reasons why I don't like Friends, because Friends is six cunts who don't realise they're cunts. <laughs> they're deeply unlikable people who could somehow do fuck all and afford to live in New York City. Yeah, whereas <laughs> I like Seinfeld because it's four cunts who realise they're cunts but just don't care. <laughs> they're just like, we're arseholes, aren't we? He's like, yeah. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. And But there's a joy in nothing happening. Yeah. I love it. 
You couldn't do that now in this day and age of, of, of sitcomery because you've got to constantly leave like some kind of cliffhangery edge yeah. in order to get people to A, keep watching and B, get another series <laughs> signed where, off. Where it might be, ah, oh, this week, you know, George has accidentally wore the wrong trousers. <laughs> That's, That's Wallace, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> if you what combine... Would be, what would be a modern episode? If, if they were going to do like a episode of Seinfeld in 2023... Like, what would some of the, the plot points be that run through it? I think one would have to be, like, a whole episode where George, for whatever reason, can't download images on WhatsApp. Well, it's <laughs> funny you should say this, because there's um, there's an account on Instagram, one on Twitter. There's a Twitter one where someone's just like, what if Mo- uh, Seinfeld was modern day? And the piss take one, he just puts, Jerry, get iPad. <laughs> but, That's where the joke comes from in the shit posting Frasier group that I'm in. And, what if Frasier got iPad? And the, the Instagram ones, people suggesting them. And one of them is there's uh, an episode where George has bought an Android phone and an Apple phone because he doesn't want people to internet call him. So if he, st- <laughs> so if, so if he starts dating a woman who's got an Apple phone, he starts using his Android so she can't <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> And he just keeps having to remember to swap the phones out. Yeah, it's and like st- brilliant. stuff like Kramer invents, uh, accidentally invents a new cryptocurrency which goes through the roof. <laughs> it's, like, it's the future, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, you buying Kramer coin? <laughs> Flying into the room. <laughs> Jerry, I'm a millionaire. Because about 20 minutes later, Jerry, I'm bankrupt. <laughs> what a ride. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Owen Hart. Uh, <laughs> It's a stop-start affair between Owen Hart and Mark Merrow. Um, he misses a somersault sent on, does Mark, to give Owen an advantage. Austin Big suggests, sent on as well, yeah. Oh, Austin suggests that if he's in there with Owen, he's going to try and break Owen's arm. Vince finds this disgraceful. <laughs> Professional wrestling, damn it. Uh, Mark Merrow is a credit to the human race, but personally, I can't stand his guts, says Steve Austin, as he takes his headphones off. During the break... We assume something happened. We don't know because they just say on commentary, well, Austin got taken to the back. <laughs> Did he crack Mark Merrow? Or, we don't know. What I'm thinking of is because this has been pre-recorded, is he not actually at ringside? Because you do see a shot of him. No, no, you do you see something of his headphones on. But that could have been filmed at any point. Oh. Because that's what I was thinking at the time. I was like, why haven't they shown that? It's like they could have edited it to show it. I was like, oh, hang on. Perhaps they've added this in afterwards. Well, the one thing that makes me think that might not be the case is that you know when it's been added in because they just shoehorn in all these pop culture references. True, like Brie Van Der Kamp. Yeah, like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know whether you saw this, King, but Brie Van Der Kamp's husband, Rex, had a heart attack. Yeah, I'd have a heart attack if I was married to her. Oh, it's Barbaro. Um, <laughs> I'd give her a stunner. No, you haven't invented the stunner yet. Lynette's getting her ass kicked. She'll get a water maneuver, yeah. son. <laughs> Lynette needs to learn to trust Tom when he goes to work with the woman that used to love him and respect him. That was the thing that happened. Are you okay? They cheated. I think he cheated on her anyway. Because <laughs> he's a piece of shit as well. Fuck. I, I, I go through Facebook, I go, Tom's quite down to earth as a husband. <laughs> and he's and Lynette's just like rah, rah, and Tom's like fucking chill he's not perfect and then he goes hey look fucking I never cheat on you calm down cheats on it oh you're a cunt as well fuck me Jesus Christ Desperate Housewives podcast coming soon <laughs> <laughs> me and Alex should just do that just to listen to and enjoy by two people uh, <laughs> Alex and I <laughs> I'm Papa 
I think Pablo would probably walk off halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'd be that bothered. He seems about more it. like a Cheers fan. He is a Cheers fan. Yeah. If, I, if I stick, uh, if I if I stick some of the latter Cheers on, he's not so interested. He's not a fan of Kirstie Alley's work. Mm-hmm. Much as Kirstie Alley was a, was a phenomenal actress, rest in peace. For look who's talking. Uh, he was a fan of her because he really liked Diane. Mm. Everyone liked Diane, so yeah. I think I think it was a tough a tough role to fill <laughs> with Diane when she left. You can't really replace her, so you went with something that's kind of the bow at the binary opposite, somebody that could bust the balls of, of Sam Malone a bit, and we just didn't resonate with her. No. Like no. when they put Christine Kachansky in a later series of Red Dwarf, and we went, uh, Yeah. We didn't need this. Because earlier on, it was like, oh, no, she always thought Lister was a bit of a creep. And then this one's like, oh, yeah, we formally dated. And it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't really work. No, because also, but it wasn't that she thought she was a creep. I always thought that Christine Kachansky... We'll pass the rest of it in a minute. I always thought Christine Kachansky like, was a bit of a wallflower. Uh, in in so early scenes in the first couple of seasons of Red Dwarf, like it's, she's a bit of a wallflower. It's Claire Grogan as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so she's a bit like, she's a bit quiet and she's quite cute. And there's a, there's a scene in I think, series six with Sirens where they think they've stumbled across a planet where uh, she's like fighting aliens. And they're like, oh, yeah, I like that, Christine Kachansky. And like I've saved two bullets, one for Jim, one for Bexley. It turns out to be the sirens putting images in Lister's head. And then when they bring in the different actress to play her, and we go, oh no, she's yeah. a bitch. Not the actress, but the character is a bitch. Chloe Annett. Chloe Annett. One of the useless bits of trivia stuck in the back of my head. I love that. You're the sort of person that would maybe leave the house and forget to pick up your keys. But remember, Chloe Annett played the second Christine Kachansky. Mm. <laughs> so Owen Hart. Yeah. Um, now they foreshadow <laughs> what's to come. <laughs> they foreshadow what's to come because Owen Hart hits a hits a perfect plex, and they call it a perfect. They plex. do. Mm. Not only do they, Vince calls it a perfect plex. Yeah, mm. more on that in a bit. Uh, uh, Mero, however, gets away from it. He gets the knees up on a diving splash onto o- from Owen. The end of the match comes, though, where Mero counters the backdrop with a victory roll. Yeah. For the one, two, three. A lovely victory roll at that. Yeah. Beautifully executed. Uh, post-match, Owen Hart attacks Mark Mero with his cast, uh, leaps off the apron with like a running elbow, and then complains about <laughs> about Mark Mero trying to hurt him, on, trying to injure his arm again. And calls him a chicken, doesn't calls he? Calls him a chicken. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Lawler suggests that Goldust should come out for some artificial insemination. I mean, mouth-to-mouth insemination. I mean, resuscitation. He tried for a joke there, and just it was like when you go for the long jump and you just slip on the sand. <laughs> and picking sand up with you saying, no, no, I'm meant to do that. Yeah, I'm meant to fall over. Mm. It's fine. Uh, thoughts on that? I, I didn't think that was a. Gr- I didn't think it was a great match. No, as um, highlighted by the fact that we talked about anything but the match. <laughs> there is that. It's it's weird one because they didn't really have very good chemistry. No, they didn't. And no. you would assume that they would. No, yeah. Um, it was still it was still a fine match. It wasn't a bad yeah. match. You're just expecting, considering the caliber of Owen Hart and Mark Merritt in his own right is a, a very good wrestler, but just something just didn't click. But the win, even though it was a win out of nowhere and Owen Hart's done the job again, it doesn't hurt him too much because even he's just like, I can't believe I was pinned by a maneuver like that. And he mm. straight away complains to the ref. And the post match attack will protect Mero going into King of the Ring because obviously he's now in a vulnerable state. So if he wins, it makes him look like a heroic babyface. And if he loses, it's like, oh, well, he was battered by Owen Hart. Yeah, exactly. It gives him a little out should he lose at the King of the Ring on Sunday. Um, now, I know you said you take issue with the way this is sort of slapdash edited this week's role. Yeah. I, 
I do quite like what they do here. Now, mm. we'll get into the promo itself, but in terms of the structure of the show, where they say, let's cross to our WWF Attitude Adjustment Tour, where British Bulldog is in the ring. And we cut to a show from like Monday or like the week before. <laughs> but they pretend it's happening live now. Like WWF going, we are such a, ma Sunderland's a massive club. <laughs> By going, we've got this show on Raw and we've got another massive, who the fuck's on that card? <laughs> They're running two shows at once in theory. <coughs> who the fuck's on that card? <coughs> it's going to be shite. Yeah. But it's but they I like I like that presentation I like the the the, the ballsiness of that presentation. Oh, don't get me wrong, I haven't got a problem with that. It was just the fact that it was just like we're saying the the weird cut. So like the camera, the picture was staying on an injured mirror, and then we suddenly saw like Bulldog and Jr. just kind of creep into the path. <laughs> and Vince is talking over Jr. at the start by going, "We'll, we'll keep an eye on Mero. He's not hurt. We'll, we'll come back in a minute." Like, all right, you've you've crossed over. Let's yeah, not. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. And Jim Ross is indeed in the ring. He is interviewing the British Bulldog, uh, who has Diana Hartsmith with him ahead of King of the Ring on Sunday. Ah, now, Bulldog is the most Bulldog here. This is the most Bulldog Bulldog I think has been since I, <laughs> I joined this podcast. I think, I think it is. So, this is so fucking bulldog. It's like that's so raven, but for the new generation. <laughs> so bulldog. <laughs> um, bulldog says, Shawn Michaels messed with my most prized possession. Cut to Diana Hart Smith, to which Vince goes, Possession? And I was like, Yeah, good point, Vince. Yeah. So, Bulldog goes, I'm going to take your prized possession, WWF tile at King of the Ring. He then promises, I'm going to chew you up. And spit you out like an old dog bone. <laughs> like, like, chew it. <laughs> See, I chew it. I'll get you like, like, chew it. And I'll ch oh, I'll chew it. Oh, you see what happens. Like, not <laughs> chewing gum. Purple fruit, fuck that, chew it. Chew it. See, once, once our Tom told me you could swallow chewing gum and you couldn't and it hurt. And then he said, <laughs> best way to get rid of it in your stomach is if you drink this, it was a pint of brine. Hot, like, hot. <laughs> Hot dog brand, and he said it would it would just melt anything in his stomach, and that's 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 you, that is, Sean. <laughs> Drinking hot dog brine. There's less than only biscuit album, strawberry chew it, and the hot dog brine. <laughs> I can imagine Davy Boy swallowing chewing gum. Like, oh, that feels weird, and so I'm going. You're going to die, David. Yeah. Tree will grow in your stomach, and you'll die. You're going to fucking die. Why has no one made a body shock sort of horror movie where someone swallows chewing gum and like it just blocks their insides up? Or like they swallow a seed and a tree grows inside them slowly. God, that would be horrible. Did you ever see... <laughs> I guess I go down this rabbit hole sometimes on TikTok where they'll show like clips of films. Yeah. And there's a film starring Olivia Coleman where for whatever reason, like gravity isn't working on her. Oh. So like as every day goes by, she's like rising further and further up. Yeah. Like to the point where like she's like headbutt in the wall and the doctors can't figure out why. And they end up having to make a hole in the in the ceiling so she can like so she's not breaking her neck. They try and weigh her down and it all it does, it hurts her, and eventually she just floats off into the atmosphere. Wow. <laughs> so things are in Olivia Coleman. You know, her off of the, the Oscars. <laughs> 
her off of being a great actress. Yeah, no, I've never even heard of that. It's that, I kind of know what it's called, but you'll know what it's called. DM me if you know what it's called. Don't DM me, actually, just tweet me publicly. I'll get weird about DMs. Um, <laughs> ever since that time I showed you my ever, Yeah, ever since, that, ever since that DM I got from you with a picture of Bulldog eating a chew it. Drowning it with hot dog brine. Just <laughs> oh. a bit monkey, this one. <laughs> hot dog brine. <laughs> it's the only way, Davey. He fucking pickled me. <laughs> He's just in the corner going, <laughs> You little yeah. fucker. You fucking cunt. <laughs> Right, Bulldog. Heed the words of the British Bulldog. <laughs> fucking, fucking Henry the Ape now. This was the tip of the iceberg, oh. the Bulldog. WWF title is mine at King at Ring. JR asks Bulldog if he's worried that he's saying these mean things about Shawn Michaels and he knows that Shawn's in the venue. Uh, British Bulldog replies thus. I couldn't give a frog's fat ass where Shawn Michael is. Sean Michael. <laughs> frog's fat ass. A frog's fat ass. And even Vince goes, oh. <laughs> I never know a frog. I couldn't give a frog's fat ass where Sean Michael is. If he had any guts, the pilgrim pompous no good. He wants to mess with my wife. If he has any guts, he'd face me now. <laughs> he... He, re- he had a good run-up. He had a good run-up at that, at, that, at that bridge he was going to leap over. He fucking tripped over a dog dirt on the way in and just cracked his head on the pavement. It's like like you were saying before about the long jump. He's like, right, David, don't fuck up. You've been training all your life. And he runs, first jump, foot over the line, disqualifying. He's like, ah, shit. Right, and his head's gone then, isn't it? Try it again. And he just runs off. <laughs> This was so bulldog. And like you said, Pilgrim, no, you messed with my uh, fucking fire. All I can think of is that this was the best take. Because <laughs> this is it as well. This isn't live. This isn't live. They could have done this again. Yeah. But they didn't. Because. And we got that. I'm glad they didn't. Sean Markle, frog, frog ass with bone. He just struggles with promos. Yeah. Big style. And I don't know whether, like, I don't know whether he scripts them. I don't know whether they are bullet points. I don't know whether, like, he just gets out there and gets a bit of stage fright. I don't know. But he struggles with them. Like, I would like to think that WWF would work with him and go, let's find a way to, to get you doing some promos that feel comfortable for you. Because doing it the, the classic way probably isn't your thing. Maybe take the way to go. I mean, usually if someone can't talk, they give him a manager, someone like, you know, maybe a Jim Cornette to do the speaking, but they obviously hadn't thought about doing that for mm. David Boy Smith. Well, he's got a, he's got a Jim Cornette, but he's, oh, yes. he's got speaking. the Jim Cornette. He's got, actu- he's got the actual Jim Cornette. And Clarence Mason. Yes, he's <laughs> got two. And Owen Hart is his tag partner. Yeah. It's like, it's like if all your mates are builders and you go, it's all right, I'll do my own loft conversion. Like, no, get your mates to do it. It's, it's like in, um, oh, in Father Terror, it's like, Dougal's doing a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Bulldog's doing a promo. <laughs> Bulldog's up there. Rings on fire. JR's knocked out. Pearl good, no good, ding good. And that's why I will win. The Western States Heritage title. <laughs> Damn it, Bulldog. Let me tell you, Nick Botwinkle. <laughs> a super oh. clash. I love He's you. picked up the wrong sheet. 
He's picked up Jack Atkins' script on the history of the territory. Oh. <laughs> you bastard. You bastard. I'll get you this. Um, anyway, Bulldog promo, thankfully, mercifully over because Shawn Michaels hits the ring and just starts beating on him. <laughs> I think Bulldog was relieved. Yeah. Uh, referees and wrestlers split them up. Did you recognize the wrestlers? Well, I saw there was referees. I saw Wurzel. I saw Gerald Briscoe. I saw Barry Horowitz. And his friend. You did see his friend. And you'll be forgiven for not knowing who his friend was because I had to do some serious digging to find out who this was. Is I had it... to do a lot of cross-sections and cross-matches to find... I actually went back and I looked at the card that Bulldog cut the famous Frog's Arsgate promo on. Before you tell me, is it someone we will know or is it just a jobber? It's someone we'll know. Right. Give me the... Mm, I'm trying to think of a way that I could maybe guess it. Mm, okay, okay, right. They are in a stable in 1999. In what? In the WWF. 1999. They all, their most success will be as part of a stable in the WWF. Is it someone from DOA? No. Is it someone... That's not 1999, is it? Um, an oddity? No. Uh, is it Taka Michinoku of Kaintai? <laughs> no. Uh, is it Kurgan? No. <laughs> let me narrow it. Let me see if I can narrow it down. Um, okay. They'll be part of a stable in the WWF. And they will also be... I've is been, it one of the Mean Street Posse? He's getting warmer. Is this Joey Abs? It's Joey Abs! He's done it! What a boy! I was just thinking... I was thinking stables, 1999. And when you said success, I was like, oh, the posse. I was like, oh, it's got to be Joey Abs. Jason Arndt, a.k.a. Joey Abs. Oh, shit, the birds. Joey Abs. Wow, didn't look like Joey Abs. It looks nothing like Joey Abs. It looks Abs. nothing like Joey Abs. So you'd be forgiven for not spotting him immediately, but well done on guessing that one. Jason hmm. Arndt and Joey Abs in the mix. So why, didn't, why didn't they team Joey Abs with Jimmy Shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is yet, but we fucking do. <laughs> Before this aired, I said to Tom, I was like, let's not reference the fact that we pre-recorded the King of the Ring, but nah. This room, this room turns me into a naughty little weasel of a man. That joke, you'll laugh at, we'll laugh into that now. You'll laugh at that next week. You'll remember this and go, ha And you'll have a lovely little chuckle to yourself next week. Oh, so, so I mean... This um this is kind of their their part of their their new program for bringing in good hands in the undercard. Yeah. Uh, so I think Barry's there on the books. I think Jason Arndt is going to be there mm -hmm. as like a jobber to the the stars and the not so stars. Yeah. Because because then we're going to get the other names: Dirty White Boy, mm. Tom Brandy, who will know sincerely as someone else, and um, Tracy Smothers, and I think one more. Mm. There'll be a few. Mm. Those names it was all ring a bell. Uh, find out who the five newest WWF superstars are on the WWF superstar line. He just told you, dickheads. Yeah, this is this is this is the stars they're talking about. These are five guys they're yeah. bringing in for being good hands in the undercard. Um, this is the uh, this is a, the plug for the superstar line, and uh, I love the fact that they were clickbaiting long before we were, yeah, so they can they fuck were. off. Um, what did you think of the British Bulldogs promo? <laughs> it was the best. It was a very. Do you know what? Right, if we're if we're grading it on standard optics, of course it was fucking awful. It was shite. But it's a bulldog promo, and bulldog being the most bulldog he's ever been, 
10 out of 10. Oh, easily. Do that every week, please. I will say, though. They Give did, him longer words to say. They did save it with the brawl. Yeah, the brawl saved it. Yeah, big style. But if they wouldn't have had the brawl, this would have been an all-time wrestle crap moment. Mm. But, oh my God, I love the British Bulldog. <laughs> Pilgrim. Pilgrid? No, good. Pilgrid? Because, again, this is uh, he's done this before. Because, obviously, promos aren't his comfort zone. Yeah. Because what he does there is a really common thing for somebody who's not comfortable speaking, where you'll mash two words together because you're desperately trying to get through it. So you're sort of skipping ahead in your head to the end. So you end up saying two words at the same time because you're trying to rush through it. Is this like when Shane Douglas was at smashing one's knee to oblivion crew? Yes, to oblivion even, uh, even though yeah, Douglas has got a promos, but everyone, everyone's got one in their locker. Yeah, oh God, yeah. yeah. They just, just want to get through it. Just got to get through it. Everyone's, everyone's had a, everyone has, everyone has a rough night. Um, <laughs> I have a rough, every week, put me on this podcast and I forget my own name. It's like, how are you doing there? I'm like, well, mind you, we have called you Jack Atkins, Jackie Orlando, Clive Fuck, Paul Bromwell. And Paul Bromwell. And you know what? And the little fun factoid for everyone here, we've never actually referred to you as your actual name. And we never will. And we never will. I think maybe should you ever leave, hopefully you never will, but should you ever leave, that should be the final thing that we sign off with is your real name. Oh, I don't know because one day I might go mad and just want to go off the grid. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so you wouldn't be able to do a competition where we ask people to email in and see if they can guess your real name. Okay, we can do that. We ran a competition on a radio station I used to work at. Um, it was, uh, oh, nah, nah, what's my middle name? And it was just guessing the name of the middle name of our newsreader. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I think, I can't remember what it was now. I think it might have been Athena. I can't remember now. Um, but we did it and it went for months. <laughs> and it was just, the bit was, right, Stuart's on. He says, is it Annie? No. Uh, right, we'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> Thing is that we can Radio. we can run it easy. We can run this, but if someone gets it right, I'll just say someone's got it right, and that'll ah. be it. Ah. I know. I think if we officially run it, I think when someone guesses it, we'd have to we'd have to reveal. We'd have to say like we won't just say like we won't just say like you have to say like one part of the name. You have to write down Jackie Orlando's full real name. Oh God, yeah. I'll go on. Then. That 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 adds to the yeah. to the challenge, doesn't it? Yeah. You have to write down Jackie Orlando's full name in order of any uh, first name, any middle names, if any middle names, because I don't have any middle names. Jackie Orlando might not have any middle names. That always throws people when I say I don't have a middle name. They go, "What middle? You need to put your middle names down." I, said, I ain't got any. I feel really sad. Like I haven't got any. My brother hasn't got any. My older brother hasn't got any. My dad's got two. Yeah. Um, yeah, my brother and sister don't have any. Um, and you may or may not. I may or may not. Sean doesn't have a middle name. No. In fact, I, I gave her the middle name, no middle name. Ah. So. It sounds a bit like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No middle name. Anyway, Ooh. anyway, moving on. Aldo Montoya's out. Yay, the Portuguese man of war. So, this is where the Edison goes berserk. <laughs> So we see Aldo Montoya for a second, then clips of what just happened with Bulldog and HPK, then a quick shot of Mark Merrow on a gurney, then Aldo Montoya, and then it cuts the commentary. 
all in about five seconds. Yeah, they're, they're, they're serving a lot of masters here. And it's the whole thing of they're looking at Nitro where they're just going to go in. Look at all the things that are happening. Look at this happening. Look at all this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. They're desperately trying to keep the attention of yeah. everybody by just throwing shit at the wall. And it does just feel like an assault on the senses sometimes. Oh, we got it. And with all that going mm-hmm. on, Jerry Lord on commentary says that he wants to show people what he's going to do to the Ultimate Warrior on Sunday at King of the Ring. He gets into the ring to interview Aldo Montoya ends up cracking him in the face with the sucker punch. He then pile drives him while screaming, Warrior, this is for you! Lawler looks wild. This was really good. Very rare we say that about a king bit, isn't it? Yeah. Because this, this, was this wasn't Goofy King. This was vicious Jerry Lawler. Mm. Like I said, held him up for the pile drive a wild scream, and this is for you, Warrior. Mm. And Jerry Lawler, one of the best pile drivers in the business as well. But yeah, really good. Uh, Jake Roberts hits the ring and Lawler takes a powder. Lawler sits back down and promises to burst Warrior's bubble and says the distrusity will come together and fall to the king. That's great. Brilliant. Where'd that come from, Jerry? Really good. Had that in your locker for a while? What I did like was the fact that Vince is going mad, saying, oh, you ruined it. Aldo Aldo Montoya is meant to take on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. (laughs) He robbed Aldo Montoya of a guaranteed win against guaranteed. Triple H. It would have been a guaranteed win over Helmsley, wouldn't it? It would have been amazing. I get the feeling that maybe Helmsley is going to look... Maybe, I think maybe Aldo was going to beat Helmsley. And maybe Helmsley just went, look, I know I'm being tro- I know I'm being punished, but... Aldo. Let's not take the piss. Yeah. Vince has gone, all right, fine. We'll, we'll get around it. Somehow, Hunter doesn't job to Aldo, but Aldo gets jobbed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but Jay Roberts is out there. Uh, for a match, which we'll touch on in just a second, uh, we then cut to the uh, the WWE headquarters in Stamford, where the Olympic torch is running past. We do. We do indeed. And there goes the torch. And what's happening inside? Um, there's a press conference. It's the WWF's newest signing. Brian fucking Pillman! <laughs> Pillman's here! So as we've talked about, Brian Pillman has signed with the World Wrestling Federation. And he looks cool as tits. He does, doesn't he? Um, I really like the big mirrored WWF logo. It's a very 1992 hotel foyer. So Brian Pillman, we talked about this the other week, and Brian Pillman signed this deal. Mm. Um, and Bischoff was playing up his face about it. He said, we can't go there. So Bischoff had, so the, had, he had faxed over the termination of his contract. Yeah. You know, well, no, I can, because you did this. You legitimately did this. And Bischoff is like, fuck. Fuck. He's played as a... Absolutely. He was... He, so Bischoff, the loose cannon character, Pillman went, hey, be really good. Really work the marks if you legitimately sack me. And Bischoff was like, yeah, that's a great idea, Brian. Let's do it. Okay, there's the legit paperwork. All right, Brian, we'll see you in a bit. What? <laughs> what do you mean you're going to WWF? Yeah. You can't, you work here. What do you mean you just... Oh, WCW front office were like, oh, we're firing you. Okay, that's notarized official letterhead. There you go. No one told WCW front office, this isn't a real firing. No, they've just legit fired him. Yeah. And he's gone, well, in that case, I can go anywhere immediately. Yeah. So I'm going to the WWF. Give me over a million dollars and I'm yours. <laughs> Absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. The true, the, uh, a true, like, a true, like, shot on target that's, in the Monday Night War. That's brilliant. It's wonderful, oh, wonderful. Uh, a humble but quiet Brian Pillman 
uh, says recent events have changed his life. Of course, he's been in a, in a horrific car accident and uh, he's still on the road to recovery for that. He says, however, signing for the World Wrestling Federation is a dream come true. He thanks JJ Dillon. He thanks Gorilla Monsoon and his now extended family as they applaud. Uh, Vince says a full transcript of the signing will be available on AOL chat after all. Pillman is here. I was expecting a little twisting of the screw or a, yeah. a little something that kind of let us in on what Pillman was truly about, but yeah. we didn't get it. Because we talked we talked about this last week, uh, that Pillman didn't want anyone to know he was signed with WWF. He just wanted to turn up as the loose cannon, probably burst through the crowd, mm. scream something about Eric Bischoff, threaten to get his dick out, and then off you go. They gave him the, the superstar sports signing treatment. I did like the way this presented. I liked how it felt. It should have been for Ron Simmons. If Ron Simmons comes, uh, Brian Pillman should have still been the loose cannon, just turning up somewhere and just being berserk. So while this was really good and Pillman came across really well, knowing what we know about the character, knowing what we know about the circumstance, it feels like the wrong move. Yeah, it doesn't fit what comes next at all. But it doesn't matter because Brian Pillman's now in the WWF. Exactly. Brian is here. He kind of gets his wish at King of the Ring, which we'll talk about next week, in terms of like that sort of fiery promo where he comes out and just screams abuse. Oh, yeah. He kind of gets that in a WWF kind of way. Uh, Jake Roberts faces Goldust in our main event of the evening. Uh, it's a quarterfinal match for the King. No, it's not, no, it's not a quarterfinal match for King of the Ring. It's just it's, a non-title match. Yeah. So... No icy title on the line. Uh, Vince McMahon says Goldust is about to eat a big python. Yeah, I hope he likes his steak roars. He's about to eat a big python tonight. Did you they get just... it, pal? Yeah. Penises. Steak raw? It didn't really work. It's, he tried, bless him. Yeah. Uh, we get a recap of Ahmed ripping the backstage area apart after Goldust gave him mouth to mouth. Goldust um, was a true menace here. Ahmed was livid. Uh, we didn't see him flapping the curtain, which is my favorite no. part of that outrage, where he couldn't find anything to knock over, so he just wafted a curtain. I do like the fact that the footage of him spearing the geek through a door is in the opening to Raw now as well. Yes! Because if you see it for a split second, you're like, ooh, Ahmed Johnson spearing Bret Hart through a door, but it's just some fellow with long hair and a pink vest. I wonder whether they thought that. Maybe, yeah. maybe, to, maybe to make people for a second think, oh, that's quite a spicy bit. But yeah. it's, uh, I say just a, just a geek. Uh, Goldust is not keen to get into the ring because heaven forfend anybody outside of Steve Austin or Savio Vega wants to fucking wrestle tonight. No. Um, he ref keeps trying to count him out. Uh, it's Harvey Whippleman on the refereeing uh, thing tonight. More on that in a bit. Uh, Marlena is on the cover of Raw magazine with Goldust in some very seductive shots, apparently. Um, see pictures of Goldust and Marlena all naked lying on top of each other on... I, yeah, I Googled this. Did you? Very spicy for 96. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because um, Vince says the line, it, it's like Jan Jackson on Rolling Stone, which I, I think was the same that they used for the Janet album cover, which Jan Jackson like that, and some fellas behind just with a pair of hands over the boob. Keeping the, keeping the breeds covered by yeah. hands. But it's the same thing, but painted gold and more perfect. We, we, we swap from that, so to... With that in your head, here's Jake Roberts by a lake. <laughs> uh, footage of him at the action on the action zone saying how he wants to help the younger athletes. And again, it comes back to this of this is like a rehabilitation, yeah. re resurrection story for Jake Roberts. Golda stalls and ducks. The crowd chant DDT. 
Eventually, an eye rake gives Goldust an opening. Uh, Vincent Mann warns us that any minute now, we're going to go to Mr. Perfect, and he is going to be with Jim Cornette, where they will reveal the guest referee for Bulldog versus Sean at King of the Ring. Mm. Any minute now. Thank God Mr. Perfect's there to get the scoop. Yeah. I'm sure that won't play in any way. Can we talk about this weird bit of commentary that happens here? I don't know whether you picked up on this. I haven't got my notes, but you might jog my memory. Okay, so Jerry Law and Vince Mann chatting as, as the match is in progress. Jerry says that Goldust and Marlena watched Mission Impossible four times. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, so Mission Impossible has not long come out. It's been out maybe a couple of weeks yeah. in the cinemas. Um, Jerry gives away the plot and the ending of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Starring Tom Cruise, which again, has only been out a couple of weeks. Vince is shocked, says, I can't believe you'd give away the ending like that. And then Lawler says, I can give away the ending of this match if you want me to. So this... This is a, this is a dig at Bischoff. This yeah. is a, because on Nitro, Bischoff has just been, at least every half an hour, just sliding in the results of Raw from the tape shows, just dropping them in. So it's a dig on that. But I can't see what means to an end this served. Because you just, all you've done is piss off people that wanted to go and see Mission Impossible. Yeah. By telling them the ending, the shock twist during the film. I, I just, imagine at this point in time, you're off to go see Mission Impossible that night, but you're going to watch Raw beforehand or whatever. Mm. And that happens. You're like, I'd fume. Fucking hell. I would fume. Live it. It's the modern equivalent. Let me think what the modern equivalent would have been. What's a massive film? Okay, it's okay. It's the equivalent of watching watching SmackDown and then Pat McAfee just going off and talking about the ending of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. And it's that similar zeitgeistness. Also a Tom Cruise film. And also a Tom Cruise film. Yeah. There you go. I didn't plan that. <laughs> weird, wasn't it? What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't get it. Because it was like, oh, this is a weird little shot of Bischoff that achieves nothing unless you know what's going on. Uh, I was thinking, are they trying to make people want to tune into King of the Ring to see Jerry Lawler get battered for ruining this film. But even then, it'd be flimsy, wouldn't it? I can only assume this is something that Vince thought would be funny. Yeah. Because he thought, oh, we're giving away the... the Because the re- it's maybe like in a deeper sense, maybe we're overthinking it. Like Bischoff gives away the, the spoilers for Raw and Vince, who is in the movie-making business, pal, is giving away movies because yeah. they're on the same level as Mission Impossible. Maybe they they then they're, they're not yeah. gonna give away the results of Nitro because they don't care about Nitro, so they're just gonna give away the results of Mission Impossible. It was so weird. I remember hearing it and being like, thinking he was gonna say like a fake spoiler, but having seen Mission Impossible, I was like, yeah, that's what happens. Okay, very strange. Weird twat. Very strange. Um, picture in picture. Uh, oh, sorry, well, I've skipped a bit there. Gold just knocks Jake Roberts down. Ends up giving him mouth to mouth and it just fires Jake up. I quite like the bit they said here. I know I hear what you say when you say that Raw is slapdash. Um, <laughs> we get a picture in picture. Perfect is about to talk to Jim Cornette. About to say something about the reveal. And then Vince goes, Well, I've got to stop you there, because it looks like Jake's gonna hit the DDT. Yeah. And then we cut back and he doesn't. Oh, okay, fair enough. Right, sorry, what are you saying? I, I quite liked that. I like it as an idea. They, they but... try they're trying really hard to make it feel like extra live. Yeah. It just, 
It's a bit forced. It's, yeah. it's like you're saying about uh, expect the unexpected. Once Vince gets an idea, he vinces it. Yeah, he, he over-vinces it. We've heard expect the unexpected about 15 times this week. And did you expect the unexpected? I did. Every I, single time. I certainly did, yeah. Um, he reveals... Uh, so, so, so Jake Roberts eventually, the match carries on... Um, he reveal, oh, he's going to tell us after the match. After the break, Goldust continues to put the beating on Jake. Puts him in a leg lock for ages. Puts him in a neck crank for longer. Roberts eventually fights out and lands a short arm clothesline. As he does, uh, Goldust lands on the apron with his hand over the rope. Yeah. Over the, over, the, over the side of the ring. To which Marlena puts something in his hand. And as he stands up, he throws dust, gold dust, into the face of Jack Roberts. Uh, this leads to uh, a loaded right hand, quite possibly, mm. by Goldust for the one, two, three. Goldust beats Jake the Snake Roberts on the road to King of the Ring. However, who's the ref, Tom? It's flipping Harvey Whippleman, Ooh. who was the guy who reversed the decision against Owen Hart the other week at the, at the live event. And Harvey Whippleman does the good referee thing, looks at Jake Roberts' face and goes... Covered in gold, he's clearly thrown something in your face, and that's why you're blinded. So Harvey goes, <laughs> You went quite brummy then. I like quite blinded. <laughs> so it's something you face, you were quite blinded. So he raises his hand and goes, He's the winner. Oh, you smashing. He's Harvey Whippleman turned the ground for him. Uh, Harvey Whippleman reversed the decision, gives the win to Jake Roberts, yeah. who is blinded. Uh, uh, Goldust is furious. Harvey's probably the best referee, definitely. He saw Miss Justice, reversed his decision. Proving that refs can do that. Because they don't go, oh, well, the ref decided, so that's that. No, refs have got the power yeah. post-match to go, oh, no, that's bullshit. The guy, this guy wins. Maybe that's why Harvey never raffle, wrestles again. No, never refs again until, like, 99. Yeah, because Earl Hebner was like, you can't have Harvey Whippleman showing me up. You can't have downtown Bruno here making me look like uptown Charlie. Mm. Not having it. <laughs> that's what it was wasn't it mm. uh, post match Goldust looks like he's going to pop Jake once again who's blinded by the dust but Jake eventually finds his head pops him with the DDT to end it all lovely stuff rubbish match and uh, somewhere Rick Martel sat bolt upright in fear like... <laughs> it did feel like the blindfold <laughs> match didn't it it had, it had uh, trappings of the blindfold match uh, finally we get Mr. Perfect interviewing Jim Cornette who, who reveals the guest referee for the King of the Ring 96 main event between Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog. He says he needs to pick a strong ref who isn't just going to get knocked down by a gust of wind and a ref with integrity and couldn't be intimidated. He's found the perfect choice in what? Mr. Perfect! <laughs> and Mr. Perfect reveals, I'm going to call this match right down the middle. Spoiler, he's not. Clearly, Vince Crow's expect the unexpected for the four billionth time. Um, okay, so first of all, Goldust versus Jake. What did you think? Uh, it was weird because it was it, this was just a house show match, mm. but because Jake and Goldust are old school, they knew how to work a crowd. Yes. They did fuck all for it felt about ten minutes, but even though it wasn't great, it didn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Um, Jake getting cheated out of the win helps build sympathy for King of the Ring. While it didn't really hurt Goldust Heath, and then swapping it around as well, it adds to both their stories. Goldust just like fuck right, you, you know, a bit more fired up. He's got Ahmed coming. He's probably a bit frightened as we saw here. Him being a a weasel against Roberts, whereas Roberts has got a bit of momentum going into the King of the Ring. So, so there's a lot of masters. Yeah, even though. It, 
I mean, 1996 Jake Roberts probably couldn't have got a better match out of him, really. But mm. it did the job. Did it did what it was meant to do, uh, and and how do you feel about Perfect as a ref? Well, I did like the fact that he referenced WrestleMania because he said that. Yes, he did. I missed that bit off here. Yes. Yeah, because uh, as we all remember, he called it right down the middle, Lex Yokozuna, didn't he? Almost like to the to the letter. Almost. Because it, it was it just like because he got knocked, so he went. That's it. It's qualification. Yeah. And it was like, hey, you cheated. No. But like, the, it's weird because this has been a building in the, we say building. They kind of referenced months ago, Michaels versus Diesel. That uh, Perfect was there just like, dickhead, you show Michaels. And that was it. And then like six <laughs> months later, he's like, ah, dickhead. Dickhead, you show Michaels. Sean <laughs> Michael, dog. <laughs> like, do, like dog chew. Chew it. Dog. Chew it to not dog brand. Just think, on Saturday, you'll see that live. If you're coming to Cartaholic Live in Newcastle. Oh, fucking Little yeah. Buildings. That's this weekend, baby. Yeah. Cultaholic Classic Review, Crisis on Infinite Arseholes, live. live. <clears throat> Myself, yourself, Matthew Gregg from the SmackDown Review, and Sam Driver from the Nitro Review. We're going to watch along uh, a bit of shite wrestling and talk all over it on stage. It's going to be a hot mess. If you're coming to Little Buildings, we can't wait to see you. We're going to have a laugh, aren't we? Yeah. Get you on stage, Jackie Orlando, oh. in front of the people, telling, telling all your good jokes, doing your bulldog impression. Yeah. Can't wait to Why see what not? a live room of people makes of our bulldog bullshit. <laughs> I just hope there's no one from Wigan in the crowd because I might go, hey, that's our David you're talking <laughs> oh about God. there. Imagine if, like, one of the tickets, like, imagine if we're about to go on stage, like, look at, hey, look, loads of people here today. Harry Smith, oh, fuck. Fuck, run. We've got to scrap that, scrap that, scrap that, scrap that, scrap so, that. Um, yeah, so that, w- there's, Ad- there's <laughs> nothing to say about this match. I've been Jack Hacking, see you later. Dave Boy Smith is very good. Uh, Adam, we can only go like three minutes, is that all right? <laughs> We'll see you a little building for Cotaholic Live, and he is at the Bratak. He's at Bratak Kids on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Ah, at Cotaholic on Twitter. We haven't had an Ahmed ooh this week. Do you want to give us an Ahmed ooh to end? <laughs> uh, you can do it. I believe in you. Ooh. <laughs> fucking hell. This Look, room. Love you, bye. This damn room. <laughs> it does things to me. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 